0: Tell the tales Of the brothers gone Desolation Devastation What a mess we made When it all went wrong Watching From the Circus For the games to begin Gladiators Draw
1: Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain is an open-world, action-adventure, stealth video game developed by Kojima Productions, directed, designed, co-produced and co-written by Hideo Kojima, published by Konami for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360 and Xbox One. It was released worldwide on September 1st, 2015. The game is the 11th canonical and final installment of the Metal Gear series and the 5th within the series chronology. It serves as a sequel to Metal Gear Solid V Ground Zeroes and a continuation of the narrative established there and a prequel to the original Metal Gear game. It carries over from the tagline of tactical espionage operations first used in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Set in 1984, the game follows mercenary leader Punished Venom Snake as he ventures into Afghanistan and the Angola-Zaire border region to exact revenge on the people who destroyed his forces and came close to killing him during the climax of Ground Zeroes. Metal Gear Solid 5 is undoubtedly one of the games of 2015. And unfortunately, as host of this podcast, I am generally alone in those thoughts. These are not thoughts shared by Mark Robinson. These are not thoughts shared by Brian McNamara. And when in doubt, I call in the big guns to help me out. When Metal Gear Solid, when the 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 snake signal is lit high above the city, I call in the big guns, the big dog, very much the Roman Reigns of Link to the Cast. I call Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you?
2: I don't think that I'll be able to live up to that intro. Thanks very much, mate. Oh wow, the Roman reigns. I tell you what, I'd give anything to have his hair cut. That is some smooth, shiny hair he's got. But yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? How's it all going?
1: I'm doing okay. I'm good I'm ready to talk about metal gear. It is well, it's a nice yes. it's a nice, quiet, surprisingly warm December evening in Ireland. I've got
2: 15 degrees over it today mate. People are sweating on the tube on the yeah, way home. I was I live in England for anybody that doesn't know who I am.
1: <laughs> I was attempting <laughs> to do some Christmas shopping today in Dublin and it was a sweaty and headachey affair and that was just the queuing. Uh, <laughs> independent yeah. of uh, how warm it was but yeah it was a, an uncomfortable day to be doing a lot of shopping. But I'm sitting here now. I've got my can of Coke. I've got the NXT special live in the background so we may uh I may give some running commentary there as Bailey and Nia Jax go toe to toe here. But uh, I'm good to talk about some Metal Gear because it's kind of. I have this kind of. The immediate circle of people that I talk to a lot about video games in my day to day life, um, none of them really like Metal Gear at all. Um, (laughs) They they either don't like it, they either have tried it a bit and don't like it, like Mark. Or they haven't ever tried it and kind of, like, it's so many games in at this point, to really commit to it requires a lot of research to understand yeah. what the hell is going on from minute to minute. So I appreciate, Jack, you, you taking time out of your schedule to come on the program to uh, gush about uh, what I consider to be, like, a true masterpiece and arguably yes. the best game in the series um, for yeah, a lot I of mean, people. But,
2: oh, it just... It's one of those things where the game itself is so vast, I couldn't even possibly think where to begin. Like
1: Yeah, I, it's I, it's tough to find a latching on point. I remember the first I I properly saw of this game, um, like the full game, not in regard like taking apart uh taking separate the ground zero stuff uh for the time being. When I saw that E three trailer with the Mike Oldfield song Yeah. by the end of that I was like and it doesn't happen that much with me in video games anymore because you know if you've been like playing video games for at this point depressingly over 20 years like I have you've kind of like yeah you're jaded or you've kind of yeah you've been let down before and at the same time as well as like you've seen everything so it's hard to kind of surprise you anymore by the end of that trailer like I had goosebumps Yeah, you know what I mean like it was uh, an amazingly shot trailer there wasn't any gameplay in it really but it was all like you know as Mark pointed out on our previous study of uh, Metal Gear Solid when we talked about the first one uh, the two of us kind of very much identified it. it's never so much about the gameplay or it hadn't been before this game as much as it was about kind of like the ridiculous uh <laughs> Yes. insanity that is the kind of everything that surrounds it uh, or the kind of like
2: interactive movies essentially is what Metal Gear exactly. Solid 4 was an interactive fan movie I kind of thought I yeah. enjoyed it but you not you're not connected to it in the way you are with this game
1: yeah very much there were long periods during Metal Gear 4 where you would be putting down the controller and just watching a sprawling incredibly long cutscene and I suppose Snake Eater was like that as well but I, haven't it, play, I haven't played Snake Eater in an awful long time, but I think it was
2: the. Uh, whenever I hear the song, it still gives me all of the feels. Oh, incredible! Yeah,
1: but um, but
2: this one, like, I mean, yeah. to just to put it into to context, I, I, I you can tell how heavily influenced uh, Hideo Kojima is by the James Bond franchise. Like, it's pretty much, I would say, a very loose jump off basis for Metal Gear Solid. And, and one of my favourite things about James Bond films growing up was the first five or ten minutes, where they just throw Bond into a situation, and he's got to figure it out, and he's got to get out of it, and then and then credits, basically. So he really did that proper, properly, I think, for the first time, because the first game, sure, he has a bit where he's getting out of the the lift and stuff, but that doesn't really feel like a prequel to the game. That kind of just starts. Um, and, you know, Metal Gear 2 was obviously on board the tanker and that that was kind of the first time he really attempted that. But the opening of this game, uh, the survival yeah. horror feel this- to it. Yeah. was absolutely crazy. It was really really <laughs> terrifying. Have you been yeah. that scared by a game in a while? Not a, like well, it.
1: yeah, not in a long time. Like I don't really like I I definitely don't um get like jump scared or anything uh, by games, but this was certainly the most creeped out I'd been by a game in a long time. Um, like this it's funny this game like when I try to describe it to people like in certain ways it is the least Metal Gear solid game of all time like it has the least amount but at the same time like that particular in particular that first chapter is probably the most Metal Gear thing that has ever happened like they really (laughs) front load that thing as if to go right if you've rented this game for a night or two we're just gonna let you know straight up front what you are letting yourself in for if you have never, if you have somehow been living under a rock and do not know the kind of the insanity that is Metal Gear, like there is plenty of insanity going on, and as well, and I think I pointed out on one of the shows, Mark, um, playing through that first chapter of uh, Metal Gear Solid Five really made me very depressed when we learned that that Silent Hills game wasn't happening with Hideo Kojima, because I was like, okay, so this is what Hideo Kojima is like doing uh, psychological horror. Where can I send him all my money uh, to, <laughs> so that he can achieve that?
2: Agreed. Agreed. Like you just it's the the hospital feel and you just you, you feel like so alienated at first when you're just in the bed. But then instantly something happens and you just become like in a, in a panic stricken state where you, you're you crawling through a hospital and you're controlling this guy and there are people shooting and there's a guy on fire and you have absolutely no idea how you're going to make it out alive. And, you know, you're obviously the main character of the game, so surely you're going to be all right. But I didn't feel like that. I was like, yeah. God, if the whole game's like this, I might have to take several month break in between <laughs> yeah. it. If I'm gonna Just to recover, it. take a Just few therapy recover. sessions. Took an emotional battering while playing that. But yeah, I once Ocelot turns up in his motorbike, he's like, "Hi, yeah. Snake! I've saved you. Let's go off and make Diamond yeah. dogs. So I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, right. I okay. think
1: I think it goes uh, without saying that, like, for the first couple of minutes here, there's going to be some spoilers for like the first couple of chapters. But like, especially considering I haven't properly finished the game yet, we won't have end game spoilers. Uh but sure. that that first yeah. chapter, like, uh between the like there are a couple of moments in there where I'm like, okay, this is amazing, psychological horror and stuff like that. And then also it starts to get heavy with the stuff that um kind of Metal Gear fans, people who have paid attention over games, are gonna really appreciate. The three things I'm thinking of are obviously as you've mentioned, uh everyone's favourite ocelot showing up uh to rescue you. But then the other two things I'm thinking of are the visual hints as to who the man on fire might be yes um references to a, a certain character who had uh we had assumed had passed in a previous game um yes. and then the other thing uh psycho mantis
2: yes uh, baby as, psycho mantis. yes
1: as soon as i saw uh <laughs> baby psycho mantis show up with the mop of ginger hair i was yeah. like okay I-, I am in this is like this is incredible
2: i don't know if anyone else has done this but when he turned up my immediate thought and i saw the ginger hair was that's not just psycho mantis that's psycho mantis (laughs) (laughs) he's from glasgow and he loves to creep people out Yeah, yeah that was awesome baby mantis fantastic
1: and just like yeah that that whole scene that takes place in like the lobby of the hospital like before you escape um with the man on fire and um, Psycho is like laying waste to the place and the tanks and stuff like that like it really kind of sets the bar and you think like that whole chapter it really is kind of um, incongruous down to the rest of the game because like that is a very kind of claustrophobic scene uh, very kind of like you feel trapped you feel like how the fuck am I going to get out of here alive and then as soon as you're done there and yourself and Ocelot ride off into the horizon by the way the the uh the chase through the woods on the way out yes. with the man on fire on his flaming stallion and the, and the um the part that everyone saw from the original teaser before everyone figured out that the teaser was from metal gear solid 5 of the uh the flaming whale and stuff like that is uh that's pretty special to to watch but um pretty much so. then as soon as you get out with ocelot and the thing the game just opens up magnificently and like if you had told me we would ever get to the point where we could have like a properly open world Metal Gear Solid game I would have laughed at you you know I didn't think that this was the kind of game that was conducive to something like that but both the open world nature of the game and the actual gameplay of the game are two of the things that blew me away the most because I think in terms of like not only uh, how the world is built but how the game controls and how you handle Snake um, throughout it I think this is by far the most user friendly uh, Metal Gear Solid game of all time because like Mark was on here as we talked about the first one and like his sticking point repeatedly was how unbelievably complicated the controls were for most people that were just kind of picking it up uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's completely understandable I don't think we really had anything to kind of uh, refute that with like it was it's a fair criticism and I think the controls to this game to Metal Gear Solid 5 are just so intuitive and so kind of up to speed with how games are how buttons are mapped in 2015 and how games that look like this people come and sit down and they have certain uh, kind of preconceptions about how the game should control and yeah. I think because of that like there isn't the same there's a very steep learning curve in previous Metal Gear Solid games for people that, if they're using them as an entry point Uh, whereas this doesn't this this is a game that I can feel confident like not playing for ages and being able to pick back up and go okay I don't need to retrain myself how to play this game I know pretty much straight away how it controls and then like the open world like it's a massive open world it is it's a literal sandbox it is
2: huge and it's a lot of sand especially the first area you get to
1: yeah and it's not only that but like it is a populated world where there's not like it's not like a big empty sandbox where you can travel for ages and nothing happens. Like, you're going to come across people no. in the world who...
2: Animals. Huh? And, and animals just, yeah. like, roaming around. If you go in the wrong area, the first area, there's there's a bear.
1: Yeah. And that, just... that, that bear is an absolute fucker to try and kill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is uh because i here i was thinking that it would be uh, quite easy on my first go to try and because there's a side mission a side op where you have to kill a bear and i thought oh no i'll just go out and my entire loadout will just be the uh, tranquilizer pistol and that should work fine <laughs> not so much not so much
2: no i think it takes about 6 or 7 shots to the head to get that bear to go to sleep
1: yeah, which is really tough if you're on level ground with it and it's charging you Yes, it because is. it might take you six or seven shots, but it will take that bear maybe two bites.
2: But of course, in true Metal Gear Solid fashion, if you are stealthy and quick enough with the buttons, you can CQC the bear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <This> <laughs> is true, which is amazing, even being able to say that. Um the other thing I will say about this game that is absolutely brilliant to me and kind of like a groundbreaking for the Metal Gear Solid series. Uh, and making it kind of like i said user friendly accessible to other people who might play it is this idea of um when you go into a mission um if you were doing a mission in earlier Metal Gear Solid games and shall we put it lightly if things go wrong uh things have a tendency to go very wrong and you don't you, you fail the mission and that's it however the kind of like it, it leans hard into this open world um these open world tropes where you can go into missions in Metal Gear Solid 5 and approach them however you want so if you want to go into a base and you want to spend an hour slowly creeping around tranquilizing everybody getting their bodies out of there folding them away to your base uh, and then slowly making your way through that way without setting off a single alarm you are more than free to do that if you want to ride in the front door on horseback firing rockets at anything that moves you are also allowed to do that and the only thing that will affect you is you will still pass the mission you just mightn't get an s rank for it yeah exactly i know there There was go on yeah
2: it's not just a case of more than one way to skin a cat there are about a thousand ways to skin a cat in any one of the missions that you take on yeah there are and there are fascinating little things that are happening during a mission because it will give you a basic the, the open world as we've discussed is absolutely huge but it will give you a little mission area yeah. uh, Of some uh, that will include two or three of say the little towns or outposts or base or something so like while you're doing the mission there might be like a jeep driving around with reinforcements or something you know that's happening at one of the bases that if you take a certain amount of time to do the mission will affect the mission and will Absolutely, unlock different parts of the mission that mm-hmm. you might not be aware of. Yeah. Like it, there are missions where you have to follow people, and instead of following them, you can just blow the crap out of them and, and rescue the person that you have to wa- like. You have to want to think about, yeah. or you can go along very quietly and listen to interaction between characters yeah. that's been written in a detailed, base-to-base journey. It's it, it just it's it's unfathomable to me that yeah. the video games have got to a point it's just like okay well we want you to do this and instead of following linear narratives and doing this three times and pressing that to unlock that it's just like no go for it you can do
1: it however you want. Like I had there was one where there was like um, I had to try and lift and uh, like get a uh, extract a military vehicle uh, or some cargo that was on a military vehicle so I had to intercept a convoy uh, coming out of this kind of ruin in the middle of the desert and it was kind of like it was kind of lead truck then there was the truck I needed and then there was a follow truck behind it and it kind of like the entire mission is just the entire brief of the mission is just get that truck you know what I mean that's in the middle no kind of input or suggestion as to how I might do that Um. so you scout out the area and there's like there's kind of maybe a dozen guys maybe a little more um, that are kind of patrolling the building while they're loading up the truck. So you might think to yourself, right, if I'm really quick, I can stealth kill everybody around here and get the truck before it even leaves. Um, but then you might decide, right, discretion is a better part of valor. I'll wait till the trucks pull away from the building and then make uh, make my call, decide what I'm going to do then. So what I ended up doing is I tried a bunch of different ways. And like my first one was to try and go really subtle and trank everybody and uh, try to get through and like after a few attempts that wasn't really working for me like sometimes it can be as simple as like if you just change your angle of attack like if you come at the area from another side you can find an easier method of kind of like sneaking through and getting to all the guard posts you need to but uh in this case i think what i ended up doing was i ended up roughly judging using my binoculars from miles away what the the kind of the the distance between all the cars and roughly uh, the trucks and roughly what the size of the trucks were. So, what I ended up doing was I watched the path it was going to take and I well placed some mines on the road and then took my spot up on a hill nearby. And what I did was I waited <clears throat> until the convoy passed through and I had judged the distance thankfully right so that the front truck and the back truck were right on top of the mine at the same time that the truck I wanted was in the middle safe blew up the two trucks either side of it and at that exact same moment had a sniper rifle ready and gunned down the driver of the truck I wanted perfect and just waltzed in and took it away and it was far enough away from the building that they had loaded the trucks in that there was no alert raised
2: I I took a similar approach to that mission except that I did what I did was had C4 um, laid down some C4 in the road blew up the first truck and then everybody freaked out and got out of the other two trucks and then as they were getting out of the the, the back truck i i had a rocket launcher and i blew the second truck up with a rocket launcher <laughs> and then the, the 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 guys who were in the first truck ran over and freaked out and they were freaking out about that and then while they were doing that i ran down the hill and i just drove the truck away
1: <laughs> it's fantastic like it is like the the
2: and they will chase you like if you yeah. drive a truck, if you if you put you, this is the thing like there are just trucks roaming the environment that, that go dif- between different bases you can put something down in the road or you've got a horse in the game you can actually have your horse poo i know that's probably not <laughs> doesn't sound revolutionary to many people but you can and in the middle of the road that will cause the truck to slip over uh or slip off the road or like any disturbance you put in and the guys will get out and you can steal their truck and you can drive your their truck away and they'll shoot at you a couple of times and, and that'll be it. But if you drive just slowly enough for them to keep in range, they will chase to try and get their truck back for a long, long, long time because yeah. <laughs> I tested it out. I drove like basically across... I'd say about the range of three bases worth and these guys just kept following me they were relentless in their pursuit of the truck they they did not want to let it go I mean in the end I killed them because naturally what else could I do but it it was just fucking hilarious like i was just i was laughing the whole time because you just kept looking press the angle to look behind you and there are these two soldiers stopping every now and then firing a few shots and then relentlessly just chasing after you and then there are so many events that trigger in yeah. this game that are just really funny and then you like do stuff like out of nowhere
1: yeah you you have like there's like your core missions that you can do. Then there's like open world stuff you can happen across, and then there's a list. The thing that like has sidelined me so much and has led to me not getting through the kind of the mainline story of the game.
2: The side the ups.
1: side ops are so fun. Uh, they're just nice little things to do. Like if you don't want to um, spend a massive amount of time playing Metal Gear of an evening, you can just pop off a couple of side missions and you or side ops and then you've got yourself some new resources things like that because like one of the elements of the game and like taken from Peace Walker um, is the idea of upgrading your mother base because if you upgrade your mother base into different aspects to mother base you can develop uh, like better weapons you can develop um, like a better way of generating resource and income to build more stuff and especially later on in the game when you get to like the weapon the complete weapon customization um, aspect to the game like that stuff Uh, comes in real handy like um so like i spend a lot of time doing side ops and like for someone who's on i think i'm like maybe 20 of the is there 52 missions or something like that main missions in the game something yeah it's in in
2: the it's in i think it's around 50 yeah
1: i've done about 40 at this point so like i am only in the like low 20s i think and (laughs) the reason and like if you look at how much i have mother base upgraded Compared to where I am in the story, it's ridiculous. I'm way too like I have way too many resources at my disposal to be doing things like that. But I just keep getting distracted by it. Like I think the last time I I really powered through a lot of story stuff was just to get so far for me to have uh, like all the companions I can possibly have because that's another yeah. thing that le- leads to the kind of the dynamic. Uh, scenarios you can have in missions where you can go in a bunch of different ways like a lot of it comes down to your loadout so you can pick a loadout uh, for weapons that it brings you in where you only have things that can tranquilize people um, or you only have things that are meant for like close quarters like you don't bring a sniper rifle or you don't bring a rocket launcher things like that and you only have a fixed amount of slots that you can put that stuff into and then as well you have your companions so you have like we mentioned the horse who like has his own uh, tactical merits for the uh the defecating on the roads and as well like he's he's the quickest way to traverse massive spots of ground which particularly during the afghanistan part of the game is very handy to have and i kind of like one of my uh downsides to the game is that you can't have like the horse and another companion hmm. because i would love to be able Agreed. to get across massive uh amounts of ground much quicker than i can just sprinting with big boss
2: but dave and it's actually quite on topic as well. I, I don't know if you're at this point of the game yet, but in your loadout, eventually, you can use vehicles. So you can have the tactical advantage of having D-Dog, which is another one of the companions yeah. who will scout ahead and look, look for soldiers for you so you don't have to mark them so that you, yeah. you are aware where they are. Um, Quiet is also a similar... <laughs> thing, who I'm sure we'll get to talking about <laughs> as one of the controversial features of this game at some other point. Um, but you can also have uh, a truck to load out with. So you just jump in your truck, your little dog or choir or whoever it is gets in your truck and, and, and off you go uh, on your merry way across the world. And and that is brilliant. And the more money you get and the more resource your base has, the bigger your truck can be. Mine is currently gold-plated with Amazing. my diamond dog symbol on the side because Amazing. just why wouldn't you? Yeah. Big Pimpin, solid snake. Uh, yeah. And I think I agree with you. There does get to a point where you can recognize the tactical advantage of D dog yeah. to the point where you think, right, I, I kind of have to have him. He's essential. Yeah. I kind but then of... You do have to put in the legwork uh, yeah. that you wouldn't have to, if you had the D horse. So there is that little part of the game in between having the loadout with the truck and, uh, yeah. realising how the D-Dog is it can
1: absolutely change the game massively based on what companion you pick because yeah like I said D-Horse is great I think like in terms of once you've arrived at the arena combat wise um, the best one to have for me so far has been D-Dog
2: without question yeah.
1: um, for me now I know uh, depending on what you uh, your environment is whether it's a very hostile environment you might decide that maybe quiet is best for you because like quiet can be handy just to start killing dudes that you can't get to Um, like that's why she, she comes in uh, very handy and especially like later on when you get some upgrades for her and you can get her like a tranquilizer sniper rifle so yeah. she can start knocking off guys without like blowing your cover Um, and even in doing so can provide a distraction so they're looking towards where quiet is all the while you're sneaking in beside them and knocking them out yourself Um, so she has her own benefits but I think like in terms of like one of the things I like to do when I get to somewhere whether it's side up or whatever like I like to be able to see the entire battlefield like I want to know where everybody is and then decide what I'm going to do so I'll spend an awful lot of time kind of tediously moving around the outer rim of the area I have to get to trying to find as many people as possible to get as few surprises as possible because it was a very early side up um where i had to there was three you'll know this because it was a very very early side up where there's three generals meeting yes and i scouted out everywhere because you don't know what building in this little village they're going to be in and i scouted out everywhere i thought and it was just like right okay the only place i can see a bunch of these markers kind of Close enough together is this building. So I'll go through these two buildings and I'll be able to come in through the window behind them and I should be able to either stealth kill them or trank them without raising any alarm and I can get out of here. What actually happened was in going through those two buildings, right? I go through the first building and it's fine, it's completely empty. There's a couple of resources in there. I pick those up. I walk through the door of the second building and right into the middle of the three generals where they were standing <laughs> as soon as i got into the room so i was like right okay assault rifle that's how this one's going down it uh, <laughs> stepped in so far now so yeah i had to fucking kill everybody in the village not a single man left standing uh, what, before i was able what, to get out of there
2: what i kind of like about the side ups just because like you brought it up again is i previous smelga solids you have the vr training missions which yeah. is just like a virtual reality playing field where they add soldiers and, and it's a good way to kind of learn some of the parts of the game that you might not necessarily use or strategies of how to get past people in tight spaces that you know might not seem obvious to you when you're in the full-on game and if you fail it you just reload it and you try it again yeah. the side ups are kind of like that and not only do they get you used to thinking differently about how you want to approach missions but they also are very good at telegraphing to you different bases and different outposts and different parts of the game that sometimes you haven't even been to in the main story mission mode. Mm. So like it's just giving you a a much better in-depth and broader view of all of the areas because when you first walk into the game, and and I must confess this, my initial worry was like, I think this might even be too vast. I I can't understand where everything is but if you do side ops, you go into so many different parts of the map that you just gradually learn everything and learn how everything's connected and it's, it's a way of teaching you how to play and where to play without actually holding your hand through the whole process and you feel like you're earning something from it because there's a small objective to complete every time you do a side up so i, I think that's a, a sort of tip of the cap to the old school vr but at the same time having a new take on it. And I think that whole concept of a new take on everything is is just what this game was entirely. It really did feel like Hideo Kojima going like, right, I've got this incredibly successful franchise and I felt like I'd concluded it with Metal Gear Solid 4. I'm going back to the well. I need to reinvent myself. I mean it still has all the mania and strangeness of a Metal Gear Solid thing, but yeah. it feels like a complete reinvention of of gameplay and how in-depth the uh cutscenes and stuff are and how much support you get from people and how you decide to approach things tactically like we've already mentioned. It is just a complete flip of everything that you thought you kind of knew about Metal Gear Solid to the point where Uh, you don't necessarily need to know a lot about the franchise and I think you could play this game with little to no knowledge and still completely feel like you are part of something bigger when you're doing it and and not be alienated by it because it's impossible not to be alienated by it like if someone asks you to see Star Wars episode 7 this weekend you're going to be like if you haven't seen Star Wars before you're going to be like I I don't want to if you pick up Metal Gear Solid Five this weekend instead, and you start playing it, it will engross you and it will yeah. envelop you, and you need to know nothing about it. And, yeah, and I- I've got to yeah. admire Kojima at, that, at this point of his career for doing something like that because yeah. that would terrify a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, like the thing you need to, the thing we need to kind of make clear to people who might be considering picking up Metal Gear Solid Five as well is like, I've been playing Metal Gear Solid games for many, many years, and still I. On a very frequent occasion, have no idea what's going on. Oh no, and, yeah. and and you you can't because I mean it does become to the point
2: where the convolutions are convoluted, yeah, and you just don't really know what's going on. But when you're you know, getting
1: into triple and quadruple agents in some games, uh, yes, it's, it's you turn. don't know
2: who's fighting for who. There's I find that for a while in the Metal Gear Solid franchise, there was always a level above, so like oh this guy's the commander of that oh yeah but these people are above him and then there are patriots and then they're above these people but they're actually created by Big Boss who was a person that you originally thought was below them but is actually the founder and you you just like you can't there's always another person above the Hmm. person it's a it's very strange
1: yeah and i think what's great for people coming into this uh trying to play this game is that never has that kind of stuff been less integral to the actual minute to minute gameplay oh of course not um like it's very rare where a mission will be overly convoluted because of those things that like those kind of metal gear tropes that we've come to know in over the years like even like when you boil it down even the most complicated long missions you do in the in the game for the most part still are very logical ones because it's still like right we have to invade this base like there's no kind of shit like they used to pull like the um, Psycho Mantis fight in uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 where you have to switch the controller port and stuff <laughs> like that there's none of that kind of crap happening here like it's still even the weird stuff is sort of weirdly grounded you know yeah. Um I agree so it's it's incredible um, like that and like you said to see a man at that point in his career decide to take a complete fucking left because this game still would have sold like gangbusters if it was just as inaccessible and just as yeah. uh, kind of like like you said interactive movie as, this uh, is Hideo some of the
2: Kojima's game. okay computer
1: yeah it's very like it's very much I'm glad this was the last one um, although you know Konami might feel differently in a couple of years <laughs> Um, but yeah. I'm glad this was the last one of the people of you know the, the what people would consider the last proper Metal Gear game because like he's gone out on possibly the highest note of the series certainly from a, like a broad base um, I think this is the one that will have when we come to the Game of the Year arguments um, on our Game of the Year show I think this is the one that like we'd have the easiest time like if we went and tried to argue in years past if the podcast was around then for Metal Gear Solid 4, Metal Gear Solid 3 Uh, to be game of the year I think we definitely would have had to say the least an uphill struggle yes because
2: the main argument would have been oh but look at it
1: it's so pretty yeah or like because Metal Gear that's that would be the the summation of the argument Um, but do you know what
2: do you know as well like another one just quickly to jump in ahead of you Um, I when I heard that they didn't have David Hayter who has been the voice of Solid Snake For every single iteration of the game, I felt immediately alienated by that. But I didn't even it. It didn't even feel really relevant to me. I mean, Keith Sutherland, as we know, is is a great actor, and uh, anyone that's seen Twenty Four knows that he has that kind of clout where he can pull off the guy in peril alone sort of thing. Uh, and but, he
1: tackles the hell out of a Christmas tree.
2: Yeah, he does tackle the hell out of a Christmas tree. I I didn't even. There are things that I thought that would bother me about the game that I didn't even notice because I was having such a good time yeah. when I was playing it. Like, as, and that's,
1: it as it happens, I, it doesn't really matter who was going to be playing Snake because Snake is basically mute for most of this game.
2: He is, essentially, yes. <laughs> but that's that's not to anyone's detriment no. because there's nobody talking at you. It's There's a guy on the radio at the start of a mission. He tells you what you need to do. Um, yeah. He'll give you a hint every now and then. But you're basically on your own, and it's very odd. I, there are things that I get like lost in doing, like spending time doing, I don't know, like wikipedia and obscure 90s footballers and, and just enjoying myself but wondering where all the time went. I, I have spent literally like an hour and a half on a mission in this game before just getting everything in the mission, the exact way that I wanted it to to execute it yeah. for myself, and at no stage does that feel excessive or tedious or tedious because you just you just have a ball like yeah. you really do have a ball playing this game i I will take the most. Hardened and ardent uh, video game person who is feeling pretty jaded at this point, and and give them this game and just show them some of the things that you can do and the way you can achieve them, and uh, they will have a good time. and And that's why I kind of want your Mister uh, Robinson, Mister Mr. Mr. McNamara, uh, to play
1: the game. You want to because... talk? You want to talk about jaded video game fans? Cue Mister Robinson.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is somewhat misanthropic, uh, as anybody that's probably listened to this. Podcast previously can appreciate, Uh, but hey, I think I genuinely think if Mark sat down and played this game, I think he would enjoy it. I think he would.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Like, um, especially because like they go to like lengths to keep the stuff he he would hate about Metal Gear away from like I said, the minute to minute gameplay, and the fact that they have done exactly what he wanted and gone and completely revolutionised the control setup for the game. Uh, that it's you know there's no kind of use this weird button to do this and and stuff like that, um, but if I if I were to start thinking now of kind of like my criticisms as we yes. start to tie things up, um, I think the the main kind of like uh, massive one that we need to talk about, whether a negative or a positive, is, is quiet. I agree. Um, quiet yeah. has garnered. Uh, a substantial amount of controversy uh based on her appearance. Is that the best way to put it?
2: I would say that's a, a very subtle way of putting it. To describe her, I would say she was a half-nude woman yes. who appears in a bikini and some ripped-up kind of gothic stockings, stockings yeah. and doesn't really say a lot, but helps Snake yeah, uh, and does missions with him yeah. and whenever you're around her she seems to always being a position that she's leaning forward to give you the oh. best shot yeah. of her cleavage or possibly bending over and showing you her bum Yeah, and uh,
1: um, I, the most gratuitous I've had so far I don't know if it gets any more gratuitous is her writhing around in the rain on Mother yes. Base where I'm just like oh come on Like, they try to, and this is like, it's not even a mid-game spoiler, because obviously I'm only 20-odd missions in, so it's not even midway through the game, so I don't feel that bad about spoiling this. But, like, the the explanation, if you can call it that, that's given for this (laughs) happening is, oh, she got mad fucked up in an accident, and um, I believe kind of your fault. Um, If you play that chapter one again, you notice a familiar face who, uh, you notice her as being one of the people that uh, is coming to get you. And yep. she ends up very slightly on fire. <laughs> so it may be partially your fault that she gets fucked up as badly as she does. Um, and she ends up breathing through her skin. And yes, that's and- the, the, the explanation as to why she wears so little is because she needs to expose the skin so she can breathe.
2: Dave, we know that the explanation is because Metal Gear. And yeah. we've spent a lot of the time even though we're both metal gear fans talking about the positives yes of how because metal gear wasn't really a factor in this game now quiet is a person who breathes through her skin and absorbs water which is why she is so naked and wet all of the time yes (laughs) i mean hideo i love you but come on (laughs) but come on dude Do you know We're the, older now. We have that's... the internet. If you want to see half-naked women, it's at your fingertips at any stage. You don't need to animate them. Yeah. And the thing that would really upset me, like from a feminist point of view, uh, and I don't know, I, I'm not going to reveal any spoilers. And it, it, it again, it gets explained in the game, um, uh, but it's not a great explanation. She's quiet that's her point of view she doesn't yeah. say anything she is submissive yeah. the entire time she doesn't talk all she does is basically answer to the every whim of solid snake who orders her around and has a weird sort of flirty relationship with them so yeah. they've created an insanely unrealistic curvy woman who doesn't speak and yeah. just does what she's told and yeah. if i was a woman i I would feel just a little bit uneasy about
1: that. And you know what the, the, the most kind of frustrating and upsetting part of all that is, like, uh, from someone who loves the game so much, apart from that, is that, like, when that stuff fades away and she's actually given an opportunity to be this badass character, she is yeah. incredible. She's like, awesome. she is, if handled better, like, if not so much with the submissiveness and not so much with the scantily cladness. Like, that's what, one of the reasons I want to breeze through the game, is that you can eventually unlock actual clothes for the woman.
2: Yes you do yeah. Um
1: which I cannot wait for. Uh so that it can be less silly and weird. Um but like there's this one instance I'm thinking of very early on uh when she basically cuz she does she has this weird fucking night crawlery teleporting thing going on. Um she does the proper fucking bamf at one point onto the helicopter and helps you take down uh, a pursuing aircraft
2: and that's incredible
1: and it is like holy shit or those moments like at which you know uh, she's about to go medieval because like she kind of gets a big serious look on her face and her eyes darken Mm -hmm. you know this kind of like this almost kind of war paint appears on her face and you're just like okay this is awesome this is awesome uh, and like the bits where you see her kind of struggling and fighting with uh, Big Boss at the start where before she becomes like like you said this kind of submissive companion um, like those moments I'm like oh my god if they'd latched more onto this and made her a more kind of independent character uh, and given it a bit more depth I'm like there is incredible potential in there there is incredible potential in there um, and it's just a shame to see that mishandled uh, and kind of uh they've gone for the easy sex cells option on her um yeah. which is incredibly disappointing.
2: Yeah that to me that's like if there was one part of the game I had to really look at and just go Ugh come on. It it would be that. Yeah. Uh, a few other little things. Um I love you have something called the fallen Recovery System in the game. Yes. Which uh which allows you to yeah. basically attach a person slash animal slash vehicle slash um like container to a balloon zoom it back up into the air and take it to your mother base which is cool uh and then that way that's how you recruit people for your personal little army that you build up i'm actually i I just
1: realized i am literally wearing a diamond dogs t-shirt now (laughs) which is an incredible i wasn't even thinking that i was going to be recording this today so that is that is a small world
2: (laughs) dave you got formed obviously a long time ago
1: indeed (laughs) and it is it's
2: really cool I, i think it's a great system um the only thing i would say is that that can become like just a little bit of an obsession when you're doing some missions yeah. um because you know if you tranquilize people they wake up if you if you choke someone out they will again eventually come out of being stunned and and you will have to dispose of them and you don't like murdering people because there's actually a system in the game where you get points uh, assigned to you and you have like a weird sort of metal thing sticking out of your head which is kind of like where Snake had an injury. Uh, and the more people you kill and the more horrible things you do in the game, like, it turns slowly into a horn, and then you can, if you just kill everybody, eventually become permanently splattered with blood and have a devil horn from your head. Be- which again, is just because,
1: incredible Metal which Gear. Which is
2: <laughs> pretty, very, it's pretty Metal Gear, but fine. Um, but the the thoughtening to me, became an obsession. I would not leave a base until I had fought and every available gun emplacement, every vehicle, yeah. every person, every animal, every container. And I <laughs> felt like I was adding 15 to 20 minutes onto each mission. Now, this is just me, uh, listeners. This might not be a normal person, but I got to the point where I would leave nothing in a base. I would just yeah. take everything every single thing I could put my hands on
1: it just becomes a habit and the other thing as well is like the day I don't find Fultoning somebody funny uh, you might as well (laughs) just take me out the back and shoot me because I will have lost all (laughs) joy I have in life because there's nothing quite like the uh, you know the moment where like it floats up and then it pulls away real quick and you hear the whoa (laughs) yeah it's amazing it's always fun the
2: only time that's ruined is you unlock a wormhole Fulton later on in the game.
1: How is that that ruining it and not somehow figuring out a way to make that better? Because that sounds like the only thing that could make that funnier. (laughs) But somebody... And a a black circle
2: appears a few feet above the person attached to the balloon with, like, golden bolts of lightning above it and they are slowly sucked into it completely enveloped in black and then they disappear. Game of the year. Um, So, like, that's kind of... (laughs) you're right in a way it is cooler but it looks it looks a hell of a lot cooler that's like you, so, that's like something you'd get you in a get saint's satisfying. row game
1: that was like something you would get yeah. in saint's row 4 actually it is something it, you can get in saint's row 4 it's it, a black hole gun. i
2: wouldn't be shocked yeah that it, it's a wormhole appears and um, the only thing is you don't get the satisfying bah! yeah or like if it's a if it's an animal that you're for they make a, a very satisfying squeal depending <laughs> okay. on whatever the animal is but I, uh but yeah that 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 to me that became a sort of <laughs> obsession, I, I don't know about you like, that oh, yeah. might just absolutely, be absolutely. It, became it, it.
1: It, it became just a force of habit that if it was something as like, well it'd be wasted if I just walked past it and didn't fulton it yeah exactly Um, but if we're to kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to think Like, I, I really have like, the quiet thing is the real sticking point for me and the other thing, and it's more just down to how I play and I've talked to you about this off the air as well about the fucking skulls um, which are these <laughs> like these uber kind of like hardy like almost nigh indestructible monsters you come across every so often um every time they show up is the only time in the game where i have an absolutely terrible time because i don't know what it is about them the only time uh, i think i've encountered them where i had a relatively pain-free time was very early on when you're kind of like you have to get somebody uh, is it somebody or plans for something inside this kind of temple-y thing that's carved into a mountain? Yeah. And on your way out, you encounter three or four of them.
2: Yes. The first, but, like time. I that's was the first meeting.
1: Well, the first meeting is like very like well, literally as before the first you even fight, basically. Yeah, your first fight with them, because the first time you encounter them, you're able like you sneak past them, and that was kind of a stressful time with me. Uh, but yeah, the like the first time you fight them. Um, that wasn't too bad for me because I basically I happened to have uh, RPGs on me and was able to destroy one of them I think and then I was able to get on my horse and outrun them yes. uh, because that's the thing if you don't have the horse you are not outrunning them because they can basically run much faster than you and kind of like almost teleport short distances and get ahead of you they will never not be surrounding you so like one of the major sticking points I have is on a mission where you have to get a truck out from in between three or four of them Uh, and it's incredible like it's so hard for them not to spot you and stuff like that so like the only times I have a really terrible time and I'm like this isn't any fun at all is when they show up which thankfully is few and far between like they only show up every five to ten missions uh, shall we say of the main game because like 20 odd missions in I think I've only encountered them three or four times
2: there is a certain sinking feeling when they show up on the screen and like
1: that is you... it's, it's good atmosphere because as soon as you know as yes. soon as they show up like it's incredible because you're just like oh for fuck it's like an old Silent Hill games when Pyramid Head showed up you're just like oh yeah. for fuck's sake why you know like there's this why kind now? of almost defeat and resignation as soon as they show up because you know like the difficulty curve has just gone through the ceiling uh but like that's the only kind of and that's just from a kind of me just as a frustrated gamer uh enjoying my ride and not wanting the kind of the crazy sure. fun i'm having want to be put to a halt by something that's actually difficult sometimes
2: you very quickly learn though that because they have regenerating armor um the only way to defeat them is by some sort of handheld grenade launcher or rpg so if yeah. you go into a mission and you don't know the skulls are coming if the skulls come the next loadout, you take your most souped-up explosive hand cannon. Because
1: you're, otherwise you are not going to be able to beat them. Uh, no. You're, you're, you're going to have to run away from them on the horse, because the horse is the only way you can get away from them.
2: Like we said, there, there are multiple tactics to doing any mission. The skulls are probably the only ones that circumnavigate that principle in the sense that you either try and blow them up with explosives or you run away. Yeah. You have two options. And running away in a game never feels satisfying to yeah. me. Because yeah, they End are absolutely airstate. Unless bullets, it's from they're... a Pidgey in like outside <laughs> Pallet Town in Pokemon. <laughs> when all my Pokemon are like level ninety nine like, I'm like yeah. I don't need to kill this Pidgey level two. Yeah. Piss off me. Yeah,
1: they're like bullet sponges. Uh you can't run away on foot. Uh you can't put them to sleep. Uh, quiet is no good to you there. Um, like, it's, you know, yeah, that is the only thing where there's like, there's a very certain sort of one or two things you can do to get rid of them. Well, um, uh,
2: you can get to the stage where you can pummel them and they sort of, you never really kill them. You just sort of knock them out and they're on the ground and you can foughten them.
1: <laughs> yeah, amazing. You can foughten them. Again. I can't, and, then, and then
2: instead of, instead of like shooting. One of unstoppable Superman, and then running away from the other ones, which you can do for other ones. I'm now like, okay, so I've got to kill all four of these skulls because I am now obsessed with trying to form the skulls. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, fortning. I've got a real problem, man. Like, some (laughs) people it's coke, but to me it's fortning. If if I had if I had the option in real life, I would fortning stuff back to my house because just that much easier, isn't it? Go out Christmas shopping, bunch of stuff to a balloon, boom. Would have help me today? I it goes. Would help Yeah, um, oh, it w- it would help anyone. I I can't walk past a container anymore, Dave, without <laughs> thinking about putting a balloon on top just, of it. Just
1: start scratching your arms like a heroin addict. Going, God, I- I'd love I to in the them. shit out of that.
2: Oh, oh there's filthy faulting going on here. Um, uh, but, uh, that 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 is a good point on the skulls. I yeah. must say, but yeah, that um, uh, other than the big criticism of quiet to me, it's only just little foibles. And yeah. again, I don't think you can really love something unless there are a few little foibles about it um, that kind of frustrate you but still kind of inform the experience and make Mm -hmm. you really really happy when you figure out a way to conquer it although I feel like I might need to go to Fulton Rehab
1: (laughs) Um, if we're to kind of like sum this up now um, kind of do the traditional thing we do at the end of every um, book club feature and it would be to ask you Jack to put you on the spot here for a second and to give us Um, normally it's a quick elevator pitch as to why it's one of the more important games of all time because that's generally what our book club feature is for but for game of the year uh, we'll do it a little bit differently and I'll ask you to give your elevator pitch so a very quick kind of like 20 to 30 second uh, rant about why this is for you one of if not the games of the year 2015
2: okay yeah that is really putting me on the spot
1: isn't it just a little bit Um, But
2: if you take a man with the combined capabilities of uh, a main character from Grand Theft Auto and James Bond and you give him a fucking horse and you stick him in the middle of Afghanistan with access to infinite weapons to develop, infinite bases to infiltrate, infinite animals to capture and store in your own personal zoo on a mother base and as many missions and side operations as can keep you going for a couple of months and every day you play it something new happens and you find a new way to enjoy the game and a new principle and you can attach people to fucking balloons and suck them into wormholes. Guys seriously if I could faulten my happiness it would end up inside this game. This game is without question one of the most detailed and interesting and brave and brilliant games that you are ever going to play uh, I feel like the fact that it is a fifth game in a series which has had such a consistent style uh, makes it just all the more of a revelation that they can depart from a style, they can keep the same characters and they can keep you invested in it both emotionally and in the actions that you are committing and you can just feel like you are having an absolute ball every time you play it and every time you play it you're probably going to be doing something different apart from the balloon thing that that is pretty heavy but yes that's my pitch from Metal Gear Solid and and just bloody just enjoy it because I don't see anything like this being made uh by Konami anytime soon (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) and uh and and Mr. Kojima very very apt that today he signed a deal has not he with yeah. playstation to make a game so he will be off making something uh, again and it won't be featuring the same characters so the last true metal gear solid unless they back a truck of money up to his house which you know desperation sometimes will do for hideo uh, and he's managed to go out on an unbelievable high note so well done to all involved in this and you gotta get yourself a piece of this game and, and just experience it just I, I just beg you to just watch someone do a mission on youtube and and tell me you don't want to play it yeah. because i you, you do you can't help yourself it's yeah. fantastic
1: damn right Damn right. Well, with that, I suppose we'll uh, we'll bring this segment to a close, Jack. I want to thank you very much for appearing on the show yet again. We've uh, no problem. You have rapidly become the Metal Gear correspondent on the show, uh, <laughs> a moniker that I hope you take pride in, as you as you well should.
2: Oh yeah, without question. I mean, if you want to talk about uh, an arsenal that stores nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Metal Gear something. That'll be it. That'll be that, me.
1: That we will just uh, we will sign. We'll show shine the diamond dog symbol in the sky, and you'll come running. Um, and hopefully we will get to have you on the Game of the Year broadcast. Uh, to fight in the corner of Metal Gear. I think it'll be yourself and myself against quite an uphill struggle with the other two. Uh, True, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll at least put in a reasoned argument for that game. Uh, but yeah, once again, want to thank you, Jack, for going coming on to the show it's been an absolute pleasure once again uh, the fact that what is now a two hour and 16 minute uh skype call has flown by like it was half an hour is testament to the fact that you are very much a welcome addition to the program when we do have you oh uh, thanks very much mate it's but, uh, good to talk to you And uh, it's just it's just a shame that we didn't record some of the uh the call <laughs> that preceded uh talk of marvel and dc and talk of uh the folly that uh, of trying to get a stable call going on Skype at the best of times. But uh, once yes. again, I'm sure you won't be a stranger to the program. We'll have you back in the future. So, uh, with that, I would just like to hand back to Dave and Brian, who uh, I'm sure have been recording a sensational podcast in the time being.
2: Definitely, I like that Brian guy. He's got strong facial hair.
1: <laughs> oh, oh God! You're you are just buttering him up something fierce there but anyway (laughs) handing over to Dave and Brian
2: yeah see you later guys